comically incorrect humor will be on display front and center with political cartoonist extraordinaire A.F. Branco on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. The first thing I do after turning on my computer in the morning is to drop a Bible scripture on Facebook and Twitter. My next move is dialing up the comically incorrect website to see AF's political cartoon masterpiece of the day. If you don't know why, you will very shortly. So let's get into it. He's taken his two greatest passions, art and politics, and incorporated them into must-see cartoons that are popular throughout the country. His work is seen in a variety of news outlets, including Newsmax, Fox News, MSNBC, CBS, ABC, The Washington Post. And he's been recognized by personalities, including Dinesh D'Souza, James Woods, Sarah Palin, Larry Elder, Rush Limbaugh, and President Donald J. Trump. I've wanted to have this guest on for nearly two years, and I'm elated that he's finally here. I welcome to the show the visionary behind the comically incorrect website, stellar political cartoonist, A.F. Branco. Antonio, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me here. I, I'm really uh, elated to have you here because I start my day with you, and uh, I'm not ashamed to admit that I can't draw. Now, my sister's very good at it, but not me. I never progressed beyond the stick figure stage. That's the truth. So mm-hmm. I have so much respect for what you do, fascinated with what you do at the high level that you do. So take us back. How did you get started and why did you go this route? Well, like I, I've said before, I was drawing in high school or grammar school. I, as far back as I can remember, I was drawing and throughout school. And like I've said before, I was drawing when I should have been doing other things like math, <laughs> reading, <laughs> <laughs> history <clears throat> but um why how did, how did you know you just had a gift and it was something you could do because i i can't draw i couldn't draw if i wanted to i don't know i think it's kind of for me uh i'm probably had some natural ability um but i think it's been a muscle that it's just grown and grown and you learn little tricks along the, the way i've never had an art class but I had a desire and a passion, which says a lot. I think that's the majority of anything you do. If you have a passion for it, you can get over a lot of obstacles, of, you know, a lot of talent obstacles if you really want to do it. And for some reason, I really wanted to do it as a way of expressing myself and um, letting people know how I feel or about anything. So it, it, it was good that it came together with politics because I'm kind of passionate about politics also. And I, my oratory skills aren't like Obama's or uh, Larry Elder's or like yours. <laughs> oh, so um, the way I express myself is through my art, through drawings. Well, I have to go back to something you said, like, um, I was a sports writer and I was in the music business. I, I used to play music, but I also managed recording artists. And when you're a writer, 
you you eventually go and figure out there were kind of rules and things that you need to do. So that was something I was a journalism, journalism major in college. And when you're in music, eventually you may take your singer to get singing lessons. Or if you're acting, you go to you, the people would go to Lee Strasberg or somebody to, you know, to find out about camera angles and all the things you have to do. I am stunned that you said you've never taken an art class. Well, actually, that's, first- that's incredible. How, how did you, well, actually, that's not t- entirely true. I, I did take an art class uh, in high school, but I o- only lasted about a week and I was kicked out. But I just was bored with it. it. They were doing the things that I really didn't care about. They wanted to draw fruit and shading and that. And I just, uh, the teacher finally said to me, says, you know, uh, she said, I, I think I think you should probably go to another class where you can get more from it. You know, so I didn't last very long in there. And um, and I'm, and I, my apologies to my art teacher. <laughs> Yeah, she's probably saying now you're you were her brightest student. (laughs) But here's just what I'd like to know. How did you develop the skill? But like, did you watch other people draw? Like, did you look at other cartoonists um, that that you'd see? Like, I remember on the Walt Disney when I was growing up, they'd show somebody how they do it. How did you figure out how to get the shading, the depth? You know, you're so great with your, you know, drawing people caricatures. They, They just all natural uh you know no it's not all natural i think it's trial and error through the ages um i had been doing cartoons and 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 i'm a you know i'm an appreciator of cartoonists and cartoons i always like looking at uh, political cartoons and as a young person going through my 20s I would look at a cartoon, but I would never really pay attention to the artist um, unless it was a cartoon that I kept that kept coming up. And I said, oh, that's a so and so or that's a so and so. But uh, I, I appreciated cartoons and realized that, hey, it is. I think through the 90s, I I had my own business, but off the site, I was drawing some cartoons just as a hobby, and I would post them up on my website. I had a little website, and this is before the internet and Facebook really took off. And uh, and there were some things going on during the Clinton administration I didn't like, so I I would just kind of play around with it when I had the time. And then I just kind of dropped off of it for a while, and then when Obama came on the scene... Boy, that was a that was an eye opener for me, and it, it was my way of venting. So I started drawing cartoons again, and I had uh, I had a program that I used when I was in my business, graphic business uh, that I started drawing on there, and uh, it really came to it. It came as a way of venting, and I was posting them on Facebook. Facebook came online, Twitter. And then it just kind of took off from there. Well, it's, it actually took off because the first time I saw your your work, I was hooked like most people. Uh, it's interesting. Hey, I'm telling you, your stuff is great. I can't wait to see it in the morning. Uh, <laughs> were you always conservative because you grew up in California? So uh, that's. Not well, my, necessarily the way that's going to work uh, out. Well, there's some very, very conservative enclaves in California. My dad was fairly conservative. My mom was more apolitical, but she was religious. So I got a little bit of that. And I got to see firsthand another side 
to a lot of the things I was hearing in school because the school I was going to, there were a lot of liberals there, even back in the 60s. Um, it was a different kind of liberalism, but they hated Nixon. They had all this. And my dad would give me a, when I'd come home from school and talk about uh, certain issues, he would give me another perspective on that same issue and, it, you know, and a light would go off. But there was a, probably a time in my life where I was more liberal, um, uh, you know, just on issues because I didn't know I didn't understand the issues, you know, like environmental stuff. And until I really got involved. Part of the reason I feel the way I do about environmental studies is that I was investigating as a way of proving global warming. And what, the more research I did, the more because I was looking at both sides, I was open to the to the whole dialogue. And I eventually came to the conclusion that this is a scam and uh, it's a it's a liberal uh, way or a, a Democrat way of extracting money out of the public with fear. And um, I know I'm going, kind of going off the beaten path. No, you're doing fine. You're doing <laughs> but, uh, fine. Yeah. Uh, and then I was in the military for three years and I got a different perspective there. What did you get there? What was the military perspective? See, because you're bringing up very, you're bringing up a very good point that people are a product of their environment and their experiences. So if you're in this woke military now, you're in trouble. See, but you, you were, you know, so you could have soldiers coming out now. It's like, well, I don't see why I should be, you know, and now. But what was your military experience like, and how did that shape you? Well, it, it was pretty pretty stout still back then. We had uh, a limited uh, boot camp because uh, they, I think, recruitment was down, and I volunteered uh, the time that I and Carter was in play. So the military was going through; um, they were going through cuts, and um, so you know, I I don't know what it's like relative to today. I know that the drill sergeants didn't have to deal with transgenderism and uh, had to d deal with having to be nice like they probably do today and be hey. sensitive and all that kind of thing. AF, not only that, soldiers don't have to deal with transgender officers. I know. <laughs> How do you keep a straight a face mess. watching a guy with a five o'clock shadow and a dress uh, barking orders at you? Yeah, you know, and I can understand why a lot of these people, a lot of families, the heart of America, they just don't want, I wouldn't want my son to go into the military. So I know there are probably a lot of people uh, out there that feel the same way. So was there a moment in which you just uh, took the red pill and said, I'm, I'm done with, you know, whatever the left has to sell? Yeah, I think the red pill came to me. Um, I already was half red pilled, but then the more research I did on a lot of these issues and a lot of things that were coming my way, as far as the topics and the news and that, um, I was because of how my dad gave me a perspective to to look at look at what they're trying to say and look at what to, what they're trying to do. I was able to kind of cut through um, the issues and then. Um, because CNN uh, was different back then, CBS, ABC, mm -hmm. they were a lot different. They may have been liberal, but they didn't uh, they didn't advertise it, and they they were able they dominated the news, so they could afford 
to channel people the way they wanted until I think Fox News came on saying Rush Limbaugh came on scene and they were giving people like my dad did to me a different perspective on the same information. Yeah, I hear you. Now, is a great thing that what your dad did. Your dad gave you another perspective, meaning there was another side of the coin and he would present it to you. Can you shed any light on why this doesn't seem to be happening now? Like most people that I know on the left, even older people, people I went to college with in the early 70s, they don't want to even examine the other side of the coin. No, because they're told they're it's just like, uh, you know, the Gestapo back in in the German times. They were told this is what is evil and this is what is good. And the media has the power to make good people bad and they have they have the power to make good people evil. And if you're not paying attention, you're not looking at and deciphering the information in an objective way. You're going to just believe it. Uh, I remember Obama coming out on the scene and every other speech that he would give, he would berate Fox News. Everything was bad about Fox News. So I think a lot of people, especially people on the left, just ignored Fox News. They said, oh, it's that's bad. Obama, our leader, says it's bad. It has got to be bad. So I'm not even going to watch it. In fact, I've heard people tell me when I give them certain information that they don't know about. Things at the border, the economy, all the things that aren't obvious to them already. Uh, one of the big lines that they give me is, where did you hear that? Fox News? Yep. You know, it's like, OK, uh, I know you don't watch it, so maybe you should watch some Fox News just to see if you if what the media you're getting on The View and MSNBC and CNN, whether or not there's another perspective. But they're, like you said, they're not interested in it because they've been brainwashed to believe that the alternative or the alternate viewpoint is no good and it's evil and it's a lie. And this is intentional. This is one of the things that I do with this uh, weekly podcast is point out and one of the big staples here is cultural Marxism. And this is what they're doing. They're changing the culture by changing the way you think, by trying to get people to think. And just like what you said, it used to be back in the day you could debate the two sides. But now they've switched it up. It's amazing that they pulled it off to where if you think left, you're thinking right. If you think right, you're thinking evil. See, mm -hmm. and therefore, that's why so many people are falling for this. Well, I can't say, you know, so I but you 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 actually you hit that one. That's exactly well, what I, we have going on. Yeah, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate we do. We need more of it, more people doing it. And um, that's exactly what they're doing. They're trying to kill debate. It's funny. Um, I've been told and, and you hear this a lot that the conservatives are Nazis. They're they're. Uh, and, and even made references to Hitler in, in 1930s Germany. But ask yourself, what party, and I would never say that the Democrats are Nazis or any of that, because I think that's a, you know, that's just a, a, a it's just the wrong way to go with it. But what party is anti-free speech? Which party is, is trying to uh, stifle religion? Which party is... You go down a litany of, of, of things that the Democrats are for. What, what party is pro-government control, pro-government 
uh, and corporate merger control. Uh, it, if you're going to say a party leans that way, it's definitely the Democrat Party. And what I tell people, and I've been telling people ever since I started this three years ago, and I was involved with a film, a movie, in which that this was one of the premises, which is you tell people, go on the Communist Party USA website and look at what their agenda is. And then go look at the Democratic Party agenda. Go on their website and see what their agenda is. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see they align. This is not rocket science. It's there if you want to know. Well, actually, yeah, you're you're so right about that. But people like the label, like like what happened back in the 1930s, Germany. They like, oh, those were Nazis. Well, no, those were people who had it in their mind that they were totally right and totally superior in thought than anybody else in the world. And that can happen to any any country. It doesn't have to be called Nazism. It could be called whatever they want to, you can call, call wokeism. But as long as there's a, there, as long as we're human beings, that possibility exists in all of us if we're not careful and we have to be watchful of it. We can't just disregard uh, what happened in Germany. Oh, those were Nazis. Those were white supremacists. No, it's, it was a human thing that happened there. And we have to be vigilant that it doesn't happen again through some other name or cause. Absolutely, because you can go, you don't have to just look here. You can go to, you can just look at uh, Castro's Cuba. You can look at Hugo Chavez's and Madero's Venezuela. You can look at uh, King Jong-un in, in, uh, in North Korea. You can look, you can go all around the world and see what the Marxist, socialist, communist thing does. Absolutely. Uh, and- Yeah, AF, you you know, you came in the back door through social media, not the print media. And I I was watching you on an interview with Larry Elder in which you said the print media really doesn't like the controversy, particularly coming from the conservative side. That surprised you that uh, cartoons would be like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, We've discussed this. I've had I have a few cartoonist friends who were big time in the print media and I've met with them and they asked me, well, how did you do this? You know, you went you went through exactly like you said, you went through the back door. And I said, well, I didn't I didn't leave it up to them. I, I just did it and I gained a following. And then people started coming to me and wanting me to do cartoons for them and and print them. And then pretty soon some newspapers were coming to me and wanting to print them. And then creator syndicate came to me and would like to uh, syndicate my cartoons nationwide. But it was all due to popular demand. Um, I think my my cartoons resonate with just everyday people. Um, and it, it's kind of like um, CMT and the Jason Aldean thing. People aren't people aren't straddled to the the hierarchy anymore. Jason Aldean's uh, show or uh, song hit number one, mm-hmm. and CMT had nothing to do to with do it. with it. You know, so it's it, like I said, it goes back to passion. And my from the beginning, the my cartoons were never about 
getting rich or making money. It was about sending out a message. And it's still, that is my motto. My motto today is it's, it's about getting the message out there. And even if it's in a small way, I'm, I'm going to hit a few people. I'm going to make a few people think. And uh, I'm not going to rely on uh, New York Times or L.A. Times to, to get my stuff out there. I know, I know what you mean. Now, in regard to your daily content, do you have some ideas, general ideas you have in mind and you keep it an eye on current events also? Like, how do you choose your daily topics? It's hard. That's hard. That's a good one, because there's so much being thrown at, especially in the last probably 10 years, because that's that's part of the strategy of the left is to throw everything all at once to the wall and see if some of it sticks. And that is so I'm trying to pick prioritize things that I think can make that can break through, especially, you know, in today's world. Um, and it's, it's really hard. Sometimes I, I, sometimes I get right on target. Sometimes I'm a little off, but, uh, that's my objective. Yeah. And I, I can tell because sometimes at noon I'm posting a cartoon from you and then by four o'clock something else has happened. <laughs> and it's like nobody even wants to pay attention to that, that they've forgotten about that issue. The, the news cycle is just fluid. And, yeah, it takes a while to draw. You know, I, I draw yeah, probably about one a day. So how by the time I'm done finished it, it's probably it's probably they're on to something else. So. How long does it take? To do to do one cartoon, it, it I, you know I'm I'm sketching out drafts all the time as I'm hearing news and and things are happening, but then I'll settle on one and um, and of course complete it from the time I draft it and complete it shadow do the coloring and shadowing and all that. It could be anywhere from three to five hours depending on how much information's in the cartoon. I hear you. Now, is there a difference how people respond to negative and positive cartoons? Like, or is there one side of that positive negative message that works better? Because, you know, in the news cycle and even in sports, like on sports talk show, the squeaky, you know, the, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. So when your team stinks, like I'm here in New York and the Mets and Yankees are stinking. So now everybody's calling in because everybody's upset. But when you're doing well, you know, it's like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I hear you. Um, yeah, I think I think the negative cartoons, the red meat cartoons are effective because people are passionate about what's going on. Um, right now, I'm trying to elaborate on on this the uh, Biden corruption because the media just is ignoring it as much as they possibly can. And what's happening is it's bleeding out through the uh, alternate media like you and, and, and Joe, uh, Joe Rogan and different, mm -hmm. different organizations, different, you know, that people are getting their news somehow they're getting it off of some kind of social media truth, socials taken off. Um, so uh, I like to elaborate on the things that, the media isn't showing. In fact, some of my cartoons are about the media not showing information that people need to make a decision, sort of like the Hunter Biden laptop that was um, called uh, Russia propaganda uh, about a year ago. And 
that kind of thing in the media just downplayed it. And there's been so many conspiracies that have come come true that uh, it's it's starting to be a, a running joke now. And I get a kick out of your uh, characterization of the mainstream media as this uh, big donkey with the buck teeth, with the more with the badge saying media, with the Democratic, uh, you know, insignia as the D. So I, I get a kick out of all those things. <laughs> Are there you. any topics you won't deal with or topics you're concerned that you can't deal with? You know, I don't think so. I, right off the top of my head, there's really no topics that um, I won't approach in some way. Um, there are some things you have to be a little bit more sensitive about, especially if it comes to kids. Um, I just, I, you know, I uh, when there's a mass school shooting, um, you, you just can't, there's nothing humorous, funny, or, but you can yeah. make a point in a different way um and, and so you're not um, appearing to capitalize on that tragedy and but it's a it, but it's at time i mean after a couple of days you have to make a point that you know the left is going to try to right out of the gate before anything else right i mean it is a few minutes after the tragedy that left us already mm-hmm. trying to uh, trying to capitalize on it for their agenda. So I will do a cartoon about them capitalizing on it. And um, that's about it as far as that goes. But I, don't, I really don't have any uh, limits that I won't approach. If you can right. name one, I'd, I'd love to address it in some way. Maybe there is. I just don't know of any right off the top of my head. Well, I'm going to throw one name at you. And I want to know, and I'm sure the listening audience is going to want to know, because this person who was a kid became a national or international lightning rod. And everybody knew somebody needs to stick a sock in this girl's mouth. The problem was you knew she was being used, but her message was so dangerous. How did you deal with Greta, Greta Thorberg? Horribly. I, 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 I did. Uh, I didn't attack her. I think I attacked her in such a way that her head is being filled full of nonsense. And I, I, so I didn't really attack her, per se. I attacked the fact that the liberals are exploiting this little girl and her ignorance uh, to make a point. Um, I don't know if you saw that cartoon. There was a couple of them out I there. saw them all. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I I see your stuff every day for about forever, it seems like. Well, thank you. Uh, you, Were you concerned about how, you know, because she's standing up there and I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, and, and, you know, that was child abuse. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Biden is elder abuse and she was child abuse. (laughs) Yeah, that's a shame. Who are the three favorite personalities you've drawn and why? Are the three favorite, three people you put at the top of the list? Well, I used to like to draw Obama because it was my opportunity to bash some of the idiocy that he was trying to promote. Um, I have to say Biden is a close, close one there. Um, I'm a Trump fan, so uh, I like doing doing Trump in a favorable situation uh, to to um, 
to focus on the fact that he, of some of the things that he's doing and has done for the country so that maybe some of that will squeak out through the through the population uh, in a small way. Uh, but yeah, there's been some there's I, I enjoy doing them all, really. I look at each one as a challenge to try to get their characteristic. And I also like to look, try to put on paper or on uh, in my cartoons what I feel is going on in their soul and 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 if they're a dark person or they're evil or they're doing evil things I like to get that on their face if I can some way whether it's Pelosi or that's my favorite characterization your characterization <laughs> of Nancy Stretch Pelosi yeah. man you nailed her to the wall and rightfully so Thank you. And also, uh, Alan Shift. I think the guy's a despicable human being. Those eyes, the way you do his eyes, I'm, I'm on the floor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I enjoy doing him uh, because the, the guy, there's, I don't think there's, it, it'd be hard to, to beat him out as the most despicable politician other than Biden and Pelosi. Well, I'm going to throw a name up because, uh, in my opinion, Mike Pence is getting close. Uh, how do you draw Pence? I, I've drawn him in a couple. I just did one of him a couple of days ago uh, as a piece of toast and a toaster. There you go. I saw yeah. it. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm not so sure Pence didn't think he was doing the right thing. But I don't think he explored it too deeply because I think he had it within his uh, constitutional power to contest the election, to send votes back to the states. To There was a, a few things he could have done, but maybe he thought maybe he, you know, I, I'm not I don't want to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's a smart guy. He doesn't deserve it. You're right. No, no. But maybe he thought that was the best thing for the country as as foul as as uh, as bad a decision that was. But still, I don't think it was the best decision of the country. I don't think it was the right thing to do. And whether it was or whether it wasn't, his conduct since that has been despicable and proven who he is and what he's about because Absolutely. he's had he's had time to reverse he's had time to make it right in other ways and he's had now he's just doubling and tripling down so you know you had him as a pizza uh, toast it's been toasted and he's toast he may not know it but right. he is i'm surprised he even goes shows his face in public but that's another yeah, it's hard i think he's getting either he's getting bad, bad advice or he just doesn't understand what the uh, electorate is doing is where it's at, you know, where the voters are, where the conservative voters are, because it looks like um, Trump is is marching on his way to getting the primary. And maybe he's just trying to cut himself apart because you never know what's going to happen here or there. So he's 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 cutting himself out from the herd in case something goes south with the other guys. I don't know. You know it's well, I'll tell you, yeah, I got a lot of friends and he's GOP establishment. That's what happened. He always yeah. was. 
Always uh, was. That's yeah. a good word. Always yeah, he was. always was. See, because yeah. see, they're showing who they are. You can see Graham, McConnell, uh, Romney, McCain. They all fall into the same point. You know, and you notice it, it's the battle we always used to think it was Democrat, Republican. That's not what it is anymore. Trump has proven the battle is globalist versus America first. That's what it really comes down to. Do you want to uphold the Constitution of America and that we're going to be as the, the shining place on the hill? It's going to be about America first fracking here, as you've talked about our gun laws, securing our border. And we're going to run this country. Or you're going to have the United Nations running the country. And that's what it comes down to. Absolutely. And everything that the Democrats are doing, and it seems our corporate world is doing, is about globalism. So they hate Trump because he's trying to make it more about the citizens of the United States, what's best for them. For some reason, the globalists think it's OK to have open borders and just running over the top of everybody, because a lot of these corporations, they're they're thinking worldwide. They're thinking world dominance. They're thinking, you know, I want to sell my products in China, uh, Bangladesh. I want to I want to sell them all over. And the United States is just kind of hanging out there, you know, and it's a lot of these people just think that uh, that globalism is the way to go. Trump comes in and everything is is about Americans, uh, our border, our our relationship with China, uh, the economy, and that and 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 just the fact that the mainstream media is trying to stop him says a lot because everybody's pretty much got the idea that the mainstream media isn't doesn't have the best interests of Americans at heart. Right. And what we learned, we expected the media and the left, but we, we found out, which I knew, I've been trying to tell people about this, and it jumped, brought it to light. The Republican establishment tried to stop them because they are globalists. They're big. They're, they're, they're not only are they globalists, they're about big government. They try and hide that, but that's what they're about. Uh, AF, please tell the listening audience about your website, Comically Incorrect. Uh, it's it's where I post all my cartoons. Now, I do cartoons for uh, Americans for Limited Government, America Cares, Swamp Monsters, um, uh, Alpha News. Those people have contracted me to do a cartoon once or twice a week for them. And... Uh, uh, what I do there is I, I send them samples of, of ideas that I'm do, working on and then they choose one and that's the one I'll, I'll do. I'll give them a couple of choices, usually about very topical issues. But all my cartoons are posted on uh, uh, Comically Incorrect. So the archives go way back. They go back years. So if you're looking for a specific cartoon, there's a place where you can enter it in like a subject and that subject will probably come up, uh, whether it's about Biden, Obama, uh, economy. Uh, if you're looking for a cartoon that kind of speaks to that, that it's there. Um, they can also catch me on Facebook, True Social, Twitter. AF Branco is the, the handle for True Social and Twitter. And you're on YouTube. And on, oh, I'm on YouTube. Um, also, uh, Rumble. Uh, Rumble is probably uh, at see, rumble dot, rumble.com forward slash Branco Cartoons. And we do a live pre presentation 
uh, every Thursday at nine o'clock Eastern, six o'clock Pacific, where I'll I'll showcase my recent cartoons. We'll talk about the issues, and I I have my friend Joe Dan Gorman uh, that uh, hangs out with me on that program. It's usually about an hour. Um, it's nothing, nothing charismatic or anything. We just sit and talk about cartoons and, uh, and I'll bring up some old cartoons. We'll throw up some videos, but we do that once a week just for fun, just to relate, just to connect with, uh, our, the people that enjoy our work and they can comment and we read the comments, show the comments on the live broadcast. Uh, so, and it's called, uh, AF Branko cartoons, et cetera. I hear you. Thank you. Now, is there a way, like if people want to contact you, is there a way that they can contact you? Well, I I now can get on my website and view the comments, whereas I, a few months ago I couldn't. I did, had no way of doing that until recently. Um, they can contact me on my Facebook page. They can contact me at True Social Twitter. Um, okay. there, there's that way. Also, I have a, a my um, email. Uh, they can get me at Branco at reagan.com i hear you okay thank you now af is being uh humble here because see if you go to comically and you can call me tony you you really can call me tony call you tony (laughs) really okay you know tony uh, i Uh, thought i've heard people call you antonio i've heard people call you all kind of things but that's the first time i've heard anybody call you tony yeah, they the people that know me on Facebook and some of the social media will use that uh, once they know me. But uh, AF was uh, the name of my AF Branco was uh, Antonio F Branco was the name or AF Branco was the name of my business, my graphic business years ago, and I just was posting my cartoons up as AF Branco and uh, didn't really change it. Um, I didn't. I didn't know, you know, what uh, what I should call it. So I just kept it. Okay, Tony. Well, Tony is being humble, everybody, because if you go on his website, not only will you see his cartoons, but you'll see he'll do some political commentary. And also, I saw a video of Tony strumming a guitar while singing a politically oriented <laughs> song, country and western style. Oh, so. No. So you're hitting the stage? <laughs> no, I was a musician uh, for about thirty, about 35, almost 40 years. Played in a lot of clubs. Uh, it was a band called Tony and the Tigers, and we did a lot of casinos and bars and that. And then, uh, you know, just probably about eight years ago, I just hung it up. I retired from it. Um, my wife, uh, she's about 20 years younger than I am, and we had a daughter. And I decided that music, I, I liked it when my wife would come out to the clubs with me, but once we had the daughter, she wouldn't be able to do that. And I just felt like it wasn't a, probably the lifestyle I wanted to bring a daughter into. So um, I cut it out. I know what you mean. Been there, done that, and that lifestyle and uh, survived it. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, Tony, thank you very much for coming on and and shedding uh, a lot of wisdom of who you are and why you do what you do. We need great patriots like you. I really appreciate you coming on. And I really want to tell you uh, and I and I, 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 I tell you, I honestly this is the truth. I get more comments from people when I post cartoons that say they love you on oh, both wow. Twitter and Facebook. 
More right. comments. Now, I get they love a lot of people, but sure. everybody, when, when people saw that, you know, because I post who's coming up as guests, when they saw your name listed with five or six other A-listers, you got more comments. They said, <laughs> I love him. Mm, so oh, thank you. I'm, I'm going to tell you why you're beloved because in this time and in this climate where we have nothing to be happy about, you bring a ray of sunshine and light light into our life. Please don't stop. I will not. I will not. I, uh, it's going to be hard unless they stop me some way, which, you know, they probably have a long list before they get to me. So. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> have you, you ticked anybody off? Like, is there somebody like Schiff or Pelosi or somebody that really can't stand you that contacted you? Oh, have there, you ever heard from anybody? There has been. There's been. Um, I, I know that a while back I did a cartoon. I can't remember what it was, but. Um, all the major, um, oh, I know what it was. I did Hillary. Um, uh, she was doing some kind of thing. She was catering to the black crowd and she had the barbecue sauce and, and that, and, and it was about all the people that were doing blackface at that time, right. I think. And I, mm -hmm. I, I had done one with her in blackface because she was, I thought right. she was exploiting the the black voter, mm -hmm. and I ain't no ways tired. Yeah, I ain't no ways tired. Yeah, she was, you know. So I I did one of her and, and that. And there's been a couple of cartoons that have done this. Um, no, no way was I trying to 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 to, to try to degrade uh, the black black population. But that's the narrative that they wanted to do. And it was on all the new major newspapers. The Washington Post called me and just um, which I guess I guess in no um, no notoriety is bad notoriety. So I don't know. I hear you. Uh, but I, I appreciate Gary having me on. Um, I enjoyed this conversation very much. Of course, it was all about me. So well, it's supposed to be you're the guest, <laughs> right? But this is why I bring I bring people like you on to explain why you do what you do and to talk about conservatism. And I always want to find out the roots of everybody because you know, as a black guy, I was a Democrat till I became a Christian at age 47. Then I saw the light. Everybody has a different testimony, but the the biggest thing you said, the thing that I hope people take. There's two sides to a coin. Look at list, at least look and listen to the other side. And then if you walk away from it, you have a right. But, you know, my people perish for lack of knowledge and they're counting on the fact that we don't know. And it's, it's a shame because I'll tell people, go look, go back and look at who voted against the Civil Rights Act. Go back and look at the Lester Maddoxes and the George Wallaces and the senators and the Congress people who tried to block the Civil Rights Act. There were Democrats in the South. It's on a congressional record. Go look it up. I tell Absolutely. people and they either don't go because they don't want to really know and be accountable or mm -hmm. they just, you know, see it and say, I don't give a damn. I'm just going to still stay what I am. You well, know? the Democrats have always been about control way back then, even. So, yeah, uh, well, you know what Lyndon Baden Johnson said about black people. I'm yep, sure you probably yep. heard it. So. I remember. Hey, Tony, thanks for coming on. You're always welcome to come back and uh, God Thank bless you. you and your family. Thank you. Same to you, too. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. There you have it. Tony. Branco and check his cartoons out, everybody, because they will bring a ray, a splash of 
light and laughter and humor because we don't have anything to laugh about until President Trump gets back in the White House. I want to thank A.F. Branco for giving us a splash of humor daily where there really is none to be had. It takes a true talent to be able to bring a smile to our faces during these perilous times. So thank you for that, A.F., and for rocking out the show. This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Hope you subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. If you've tuned in for the first time, hope you'll check out the podcast archive located on the page. All previous episodes are there featuring high-profile guests, including Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, Ben Carson, Kevin Sorbo, Naomi Wolf, Judge Janine Pirro, Tom Holman, Carol Swain, Monica Crowley, Carrie Lake, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Michael Loftus, Kira Davis, and Mike Lindell, plus many, many more. That's a wrap, friends. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America. <laughs>